0: All right, we're going to bring the lights up for you, and we're going to be in First Corinthians chapter 12. As you turn there, uh, let me uh, remind you of a couple of things. One is that, you know, we were, as a church, we on Sunday nights have been going through the book of Mark, and we kind of stopped toward the end of the summer to kind of go in a few different directions. And so this will be the last time that we are in not Mark uh, for a, a while. So next Sunday, we'll start back in Mark and keep. Uh, Keep on that course uh, probably until Advent. So if you have been wondering, are we ever going to get back to Mark? We are. Uh, That's coming up. Um, I want to thank everyone that was a part of the service last Sunday. Uh, Some of us were uh, doing some flood work in Texas uh, over that weekend, and um, I appreciate everyone kind of covering some ground and and making last week happen. Uh, This coming Saturday, we have marriage discipleship breakfast here at Grace at nine. That's all our married and engaged folks. That'll be for you. And then if you are interested, the mom's discipleship group is starting back up the Wednesday, a week from Wednesday. And so you can talk to Tori or Chris Rush about that if you're interested. Um, so glad to have that back in in effect. Our community group started last week. Everybody, Everybody went to group this week? All right. None of you went. That's great. That's great. Uh, Glad to to have all that you know, kind of kicking back in. We're trying some new stuff with our groups this semester, where uh, we're letting each group kind of decide their you know, kind of their like what their group time is going to look like, and it's kind of cool to watch the personalities of each group kind of shine through in the decisions that they're that they're making. And so, it used to be all our groups are kind of on the same, kind of doing the same thing, and now as we enter into this. Uh, this season, it really is a, a huge uh, credit to our leaders, to Megan Kelly as our staff member who's over community groups, that we're at a point to where our community group culture is healthy enough to say, hey, y'all just kind of do your own thing, and we want to help you shape that and craft that and be a part of uh, walking with you in that. But um, it's, just, it's just, I don't, if you kind of step back a little bit, it's kind of awesome that we're, that we're there. And I think it has a lot to do with really good leadership that's been happening and so, as we do that uh, we although have we've asked every group to start off the first two weeks the same way over the over the summer, um, God seems to be bringing this idea of uh, or just the the truth about spiritual gifts kind of to the forefront and I think that he's preparing us i've been saying that for months I think he's getting us ready for something and uh this, this these weeks on, in summer community groups on Sunday nights and in our regular community groups of talking about spiritual gifts, I think it's I think it's all a part of something that's starting to kind of come together, and I think it's going to be really important that we pay attention because he's uh, he he is is orchestrating this, and so um, tonight will be the last Sunday night where I'll talk about spiritual gifts in community groups. The next time you meet, you will you will talk about gifts. And then we're just going to just trust that he's done all the churning he's going to do, and now we're at an individual stewardship level of taking it seriously and keeping, keeping going. And what I'm going to do tonight is I want to I go through all of the gifts that the Bible lists and um, just kind of tell you what they are a little bit. Because this week, or whenever your groups meet next, um, you're going to talk about what, like, what gifts are present in the room. And some of them are easy to kind of define, and then some of them are very different, and like as far as like the terms and everything. And so, what I'd like to do is is kind of help maybe paint a picture of why the diversity of the church is so important. Um, so we're going to kind of look at this paragraph in uh, Paul's letter to the, to the Corinthians. Um, let me just read. I just want to read four through eleven we'll go a little bit, kind of talk about this paragraph a little bit, and then I'm going to just go alphabetically through all the gifts and give you a little bit about them. Um, so, so look at verse 4. It says, Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are varieties of service, but the same Lord. There are varieties of activities, but the same God, who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Individually, as He wills. Now, this this whole chapter, I mean, He goes into all these different. You know, uses the analogy of a body and all this kind of stuff, and we're not going to get into all that. Um, I want to just take just that paragraph as kind of a foundational thing before we like talk about the different gifts that are there. Verse seven is what uh, what I've, I've been using as our kind of working definition. And Paul, when Paul talks about spiritual gifts. He, he says that it's a manifestation of the Spirit in verse 7. A manifestation of the Spirit is, is it's the, if you take that, that word manifestation in the Greek, it, it's, it, it's an announcement. That if a, if a lemon tree is ready to announce that it's a lemon tree, the manifestation is when a lemon begins to like show itself. Whatever well, probably a better scientific word for that. But when the when the lemon when it begins to bud and then it becomes like a lemon, you're like, oh, that's a lemon tree. That's the manifestation of a lemon on a lemon tree. It's announcing, hey, I'm a lemon tree. A rosebud when it begins to open up, it's like, hey, I'm a rose bush, and I'm a. This is what kind of rose bush I am. This is the color or, or whatever. It's it's manifesting really specific things. And the manifestation of the Spirit in you and I—it's—it's it's God's natural way of announcing His presence within our lives. So there's kind of this this base level where every person on the planet is uh, manifesting the Spirit of God because we're all made in the image of God. And so there are times when you see people who who do not know Jesus as their Savior, but yet they're doing very like Christ-like things just naturally. That's a part of why, is because as those who bear the image of God, there is, there is a, a natural manifestation of the Spirit that's happening. But if those people become Christians, if, if they cross from death into life, that manifestation is now it's, it's empowered in this way where it, it takes on a new, a new kind of purpose. And so before you became a Christian, there were manifestations of the Spirit. But when you became a Christian... Those manifestations became alive and powerful in a way that is, according to verse 7, for the common good. It's for the good of of the entire church. That it's for the strengthening of each other's faith. Is another way that Paul describes it. So this manifestation of the Spirit, this announcement that God lives in me, is there so that at, at, at the end of our interactions, you and I both believe the promises of God more than we did coming into it. If there's, a, if there's a song that we're going to sing uh, together as a congregation, if the, if, if, the, if the band believes what this song is saying, they're like, man, we really believe this, and we want the room to believe this too. Uh, we're, we're doing that from our belief in what we're singing, and it's for your belief, like we're hoping that all of us grab onto this more deeply. That's what spiritual gifts do. And that manifestation of the Spirit, it's just you being you. That's one of the coolest things about it. Like, it's, it's not something you have to muster up. You don't have to really try to be a prophet, you know. You're either, you're either that's either a gift that, that naturally shows up in your life or it isn't. So when someone is in need of strengthening, if you're in community group or you're uh, hanging out with some friends or you're here on a Sunday or you're just having coffee with someone and, and like you, you all of a sudden like you're getting into real life things, and you realize like man, they there's a they're struggling, and I need to strengthen them. What's the most natural thing that you do? Sometimes it's it's it, there are people who uh, like when that's happening, their first inclination is to speak something. Well, those people kind of are in one category of like speaking gifts. And other people are like, oh, i I got to gotta scoot my chair around the table and like, put my arm around you. I don't know, I'm not sure what to say, but I, I need to do something physically. Those people are, are, are probably more in a category of gifts of service, where you're, you're acting in some sort of way. But something, you're going to do something. You're going to be compelled to do something. Because you have been given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Whether that common good is the person across the table from you or a room full of people, it doesn't really matter. That God has given, he, he naturally shows up in your life. And so, we're a part of this church where every single person has these default gifts, these default manifestations of the Spirit, that when there is a need of strengthening, it's what you do first. If you look at the whole paragraph, let me just point out a couple of things about the paragraph. Look at verse 7. I'm sorry, we looked at verse 7. Look at 4 through 6. Look at, at Paul is trying to help them understand that there is a, a, um, a beautiful diversity and a beautiful unity that exists in the church. Verse 4. There are varieties of gifts, but the same spirit. Varieties of service, same Lord. Varieties of activities, the same God who empowers them all and everyone. So you have verse 4, says the Spirit. Verse 5, says Lord, which is Jesus. Verse 6, says God, which is usually the Father. So he's saying, here is the the one Trinitarian God that that we serve. And yet there are all these varieties of gifts and service and activity that are going on. It's, It's both at the same time. So when you sit in your groups the next time you're together, or when you sit in a room like this, or when you sit across from one person... The fact that you are different, that you have different manifestations of the Spirit, is a, is a beautiful, beautiful thing. And the fact that this one God has, has chosen to craft you and form you and make you on purpose in that way and pull all of us together so that, ideally, all around the room, all the gifts are represented. If one person had all the gifts, they would explode. The only person that could ever have all the gifts was Jesus, and he's, he's, he's not asking for, a, like, for that from us. He's like, no, no, you, you really can't handle that. Plus, uh, it's just, isn't it just more beautiful this way? Isn't it more beautiful for there to be diversity and unity that exists in the same group? In verse 10, I'm sorry, verse 8. One is given through the Spirit, the utterance of wisdom. To another, the utterance of knowledge, according to the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by the one Spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, ability to distinguish between spirits. To another, variety of tongues. and the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by the one and same Spirit. Like, so every one of these these manifestations of the Spirit, where you are just being you, have this uh, this amazing... Like power behind him. Like, like the power that raised Jesus from the dead is like living and active through you. That God, you know, if, if Jesus is the trunk of the tree and we're the branches of the tree, like his life is flowing into us. And so all these things are empowered. So you're not just sitting in a room where people are, who are like, yeah, you know, like these are my gifts and it's just kind of like, this is kind of boring. It's like, no, these are gifts that are empowered by the Spirit. So the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is living and active in your community group as you are studying God's Word together and as you are sharing life together and as you are praying for one another. And as you are working together to strengthen each other's faith, it's that same resurrection power that's, that's happening. That same power is in this room now. It's, it's what is enabling me to do what I'm supposed to do. It's enabling you to do what you're supposed to do. It's all happening through the church as a way that He has gifted us and put us together. And verse 11, says, All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit, who apportions to each one individually as He wills. That means that you were made exactly the way He wanted you to be made. If you fall into the trap of, of going, thinking about spiritual gifts and comparing yourself to other people, or wishing that you were gifted the way that someone else is, uh, you, are, you as, the, as the lump of clay are looking at the potter and you're saying, I don't think you really know what you're doing. I wish you had done this differently. I'm not talking about like, like things, things we want to change about ourselves, ways we want to mature and grow and that kind of stuff. I'm not talking about uh, sanctification and maturing. I'm, I'm talking about giftedness. And I think a part of what God wants us to do is to get to where, like, each, as, as individuals, you're like, okay, this is how he made me, and I love it. And I'm so thankful. And I want to learn to function on all cylinders as someone who is blessed this way for the common good. It's not pride. It's, it's not arrogance. It's not that kind of stuff. It's this humility of saying, man, if, I'm, if I can play a role in strengthening the people around me, I want to do it. Because he made me to function this way. And there's never been a better potter. So, here's, that's a rough flyover of those couple of verses. So what are these gifts the scriptures, uh, they like Paul. He lists some, some gifts in a couple of different places. Peter is just like, look, you you either have a speaking gift or a serving gift. Figure it out. Go use it. Now, he's a little more blunt. Paul's like, let me give you some examples. And there are different ways of thinking about these lists. Some people believe that it like it's these gifts and no others. Like it's that, that it's an exhaustive list. Other people believe that Paul was just giving examples. And uh, because he's writing a letter and we like specifics. So he's like, let me give you some examples and stuff. Um, Because every time he, in all these different letters, they were kind of different. There was some overlap, but they were different every time. So to me, if there was an exhaustive list, he would have like nailed it every time, you know? Like it's like the Ten Commandments. So there's like, these are the ten. Anytime someone was going to reference the ten, it was going to be the same ten. So Paul kind of varies it up. So I'm in the camp that thinks that there are more gifts than these that are listed. First of all, um, second of all, uh, when when you start to talk about your gifts, what we're talking about is the things that you naturally default to. This is just when you're being you. This is like this is how you naturally respond. It doesn't mean that there that there are other things on the list that will never show up in your life. If you think about it, if if Christ in you is the hope of glory. He dwells in you. That the Holy Spirit dwells in you to keep Him there. Like He's that's there's the security that's there. Um, why do you think you only have one gift or a couple of gifts, or do you think you have every gift? Well, I would say I have every gift because I have the whole Spirit. If I have the whole Spirit, then I probably have a, a lot of gifts. So. The best way to think about it is, okay, at this season in my life, and most seasons in my life, these are my most natural things, but there are going to come times where I'm going to be in a ministry situation that requires me to do something that's different than my default. And so I have to be open all the time to whatever spiritual gift is necessary in the moment. If if, if there's a time and it's like, man, some, like we really need this particular gift, and there's no one in the room... That's really naturally strong in that. And what if God's like, you're the one, and your heart starts beating? He's like, you, you need to say this. Remind him of this verse. Remember, you know how you just suddenly remember this random verse that you've never really studied before, and your heart's going a little faster? And he's like, yeah, I brought that to mind because you need to say this verse right now. And you're thinking, Lord, I'm not the speaker. I'm not the, I'm not the guy that quotes the scriptures. I'm the one that helps carry stuff to the car, you know? And he's like, it doesn't matter. You need to say it. You need to say it we we can't sit here and say i will never do these things to strengthen someone else's faith i'll only do these things that's not the point the point is to know to know what your default things are what your natural things are and to embrace them but also to know what all the other possibilities are so that in any given situation we're we're dialed in and we're ready to help strengthen each other's faith and belief in who god is so in our groups you know we're going to we're going to take this, this uh, it's like an online spiritual gifts test. And I'm not a big fan of these like, in, in general, uh, because I think that you learn, you learn in the trenches. You, know, you don't see them taking an online test in the New Testament to figure out what their gifts are. You don't see Paul passing out a questionnaire in his church plants. You know, It's like, no, like, there were needs among them, they met them, and you kind of figure out what you're naturally good at and what is completely a complete disaster to you that way. But I think that there is goodness in in something like this, because I think it kind of helps point you in a direction. And so you'll take this test, and you might get the, like, it'll, it'll email you back like you're like top five, and you might look at this top five and be like, no, <laughs> this is not my top five. Or you might look at it and be like, wow, that's really, that's interesting, I wonder why, I wonder why it said that about me. And then you'll get a chance to talk about that with your group. And so please don't take this as like an absolute like labeling of you for the rest of your life. This is not a personality test. Okay. This is not an Enneagram or whatever that thing is called. This is not that kind of stuff. This is very, very different. And I think it morphs over time. Uh, the spiritual gifts test that I took when I was in college are very different than they take now because I think my gifts have had to morph and change. I think yours have too. Um, so I'm going to run through them and we're not going to look them up. You just need to trust me that these are in there except for one that I'm not sure about. Uh, but it's but it's on the test that you're going to take, so I wanted to address it. All right, here we go, alphabetically. Um, administration is a gift. Uh, And some of you are like, finally, you know, someone. So if you're administrative, like these are people who are uh, who are, are organized and they are able to they're able to take what the church is trying to do, like like what the long term goal is of the church and the purpose of the church. And they're able to help everything stay organized so that that those processes work successfully. And so people who are, are administrative, and they, are, they love lists, they love efficiency, they love project management tools, they love those kinds of things, uh, that, is, that is a gift to the church because God is a great administrator. He's great at keeping things organized. He's great at keeping people on task. He's great at looking at what's the end goal and how, how we're going to get there. He is awesome at that, and some of you are awesome at that in the way that he is awesome at that very naturally. Um, so administration that will come up. Um, the second one, apostle. This one may not come up a whole lot, honestly. Uh, um, apostle is it's kind of a tricky one, and I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it. Um, these are like in the New Testament age. These would be a similar role to prophets in the Old Testament. Okay, like these are these are your people that are are like ready to plant churches. Like they're ready to take the Great Commission outside the walls of the church. They're the ones who see what isn't there yet, and when they see what could be there, and uh, they're they're kind of this like the visionary types that look down the road a little bit. So you you may have an apostolic gifting if the first time you heard we were going to plant a church in Zachary, you were like, "Yes, that's awesome." If that was you, like just automatically without knowing details or timeline or anything else, you probably have an apostolic gifting. Um, a, a couple years ago, there was a building down Government Street that we just gone to look at and everything, and and so like I'm like looking at it, and I'm like seeing all this stuff because I that's one of my gifts that I have, and I'm talking to other people and they're just looking at me like, dude, that building's about to fall apart. <laughs> like, there's no way that we should buy that building. I'm, like, I'm not saying we should buy that building. I'm saying look at what could happen, and they're like, you are nuts. So the apostles and the administrators need each other, but a lot of times they don't really understand each other. Okay, so. If you have an apostolic gifting, you need to come tell me because we need to talk because I'm I'm lonely. Okay. Um, the third one, this is the one that I wasn't sure about. I'd never seen craftsmanship before, um, but it makes a lot of sense. If if you th- if these are the people who are able to um, to take all their, these different forms of creative expression and just like create something out of nothing, so to speak. Um, these are, these are your designers. These are people who, you know, were like, hey, we need to, we need to build this thing, or we need to design uh, a way to do this, and they're, like, going to make it happen. And so some of the craftsmen are, uh, like, in our kids' ministry on Sundays, when the kids come out and they have some sort of contraption that they made, you know, those are craftsmen. Um, like, the, the week they came out and they all had that, like, uh, little bottle with, like, well, I don't even know what it was. What was it called? You know, what I'm talking? it was like silly putty, or it was like like that kind of stuff. I can't even like wrap my mind around it. Those are craftsmen that are like, what can our what can the kids do physically and put this together and to take it home in this object lesson kind of way? Um, so craftsmanship. I mean, God cre- created literally out of nothing. We're not creating out of nothing, but we're we're bringing something all the way through. And so that is a reflection of who God is. And so craftsmanship will come up. Um, next one, discernment. This is this one is. Uh, Yeah, people with discernment are able to, um, they're able to tell whether something is from God or not, whether something is true or something is not true. Uh, They're able to, they can kind of tell the actions and messages of others and and can kind of protect the church body from buying into things that are are lies. So um, if someone comes into the church and they say, hey, I need help with this issue, Um, so, you know, like, like. There are a lot of Sundays when we'll have people from the surrounding community will come in. They'll see the church gathered. They'll come in and they'll say, you know, I could use some help with rent or gas money or food and that kind of stuff. People with discernment are able to tell uh, if that person is lying or if they're telling the truth. It's like this uncanny like, thing because this, the Spirit is like speaking to them. And so God is the ultimate discerner. And there are some people who are just going to naturally be able to tell the difference. Some folks are going to never believe anyone's story, and some folks are going to always believe someone's story. So you need a discerning voice that's able to step in and say, I really think this is legitimate, or, or I, think, I don't think this is legitimate or not. So the church really needs those voices, because uh, we don't want to err on one side or the other all the time. We need, we need those voices speaking in. Um, yeah, so those are people with discernment. I'm going to go fast, because there's just a lot of stuff to cover, so hang in there with me. Uh, you may have the gift of evangelism. Uh, which is not to say that uh, if you don't have this gift, you never share your faith. That's not what this means. It just means that some people, uh, it's its just very natural for them. Like, they think about it. They pray about it. They look for those opportunities. They're not afraid to bring up the gospel in conversations with people. Um, they, uh, they are also very effective. Like, I have some, um, like... A handful of like preachers like speaker, like role model types. I look at and I'm like, man, that dude is so good at what he does. And there's this one in particular. You like, if he's going to preach, like somebody in the room is going to get saved, like somebody every single time, probably, probably multiples. He just has that that gift. He's always had it. He's just he's able to do it. And I like like struggle for so long of like, why am I not wired up like that? Well, it's because that's not my gifting. It doesn't mean that I never do that or that I'm ineffective when I do it or, or whatever or that I don't ever have to try. But just for him, it's just a natural part of how he's wired. Um, and it's, it's beautiful. And so some of you have that gift of evangelism where it's, it's just always on your heart and it's just effortless for you. And other people look at you and you're like, how is that so easy? And you're like, I don't know. I just do, do my thing. And that's what that is. So uh, evangelism may come up Uh, Exhortation. These are people who um, are able to encourage people to be involved and excited about what God's doing. Um, They bring comfort to you. Like, you feel like you've been helped when you talk to them. Exhortation, uh, another word you think of, just just encouragement. I mean, people who, uh, like, it can be a 30-second conversation. You walk away, you're like, why do I feel so stinking affirmed? Like that was just a very brief conversation, and they didn't even say anything mind blowing. was just them being them. It's like exactly, uh, and and then they're also the people who are they're pushing you. They're just like encouraging you to be yourself, to 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 pursue the things that God has, and they make you want to. You know, like you're like, man, this person is like they believe in me more than I believe in me. It's like, exactly, those are that's that gift of exhortation. Uh, the gift of faith is the next one. There are just some people among us who, they just have like an extra dose of just believing that like everything's gonna be fine. They just trust uh, in in a way that that maybe is is uncommon, Um, and it's not that they're like super Christians, you know. And it's and it's not that they're naive. Sometimes I feel like people with the gift of faith get dismissed as just oh it's whatever it's just you just don't understand how the world works. And I think that they need to push back and be like, no, I know how the world works. I know that Jesus is far above all of this, and so maybe you don't know how the world works. But they're probably real humble, and they would never say it that way. But um, There are some, though, in our church that, that they just, they just, they're the ones that are just like, I just believe everything is going to be okay. I just trust that, uh, that we're, we're looking too much at what we see and not, um, not enough at just believing God's promises to us. Um, and then one I read somewhere it said that uh, they encourage people others to trust God in the face of apparently insurmountable odds. They're the, they're that voice in your life who's like, yeah, I know things look bad, but you still need to trust the Lord. Like they're it doesn't really matter what they're up against; they're always going to re- be rem- reminded that Jesus is greater. Um, the next one, giving. That there are just there are some people in the church who, uh, who have this this streak of generosity, that is uh, it's like straight from the Lord, you know. Um, they enjoy, they just love to give financially. They love to give of themselves and their own giftings. They uh, they're just generous with their entire lives. But this gift is especially about fi- like finances. Um, a lot of times, people with this gift are, are also They are the accumulators of wealth in a, like in a very natural way. They understand money. Uh, God has, has brought them into fields where they're able to, to make money, and then they give a lot of that money away. Um, they would love to put a big thermometer up here because uh, we're raising money to buy land. They're like, yes, give us the thermometer. That's awesome. Why, everyone will love giving toward a thermometer. And... Uh, those are those people, because like, yeah, you have that generosity, it's natural to you. And we need those people pushing, pushing the rest of the church. So this is not to say that everyone can't be generous, it's just that for some, they're, like, they're that voice among us, that's their manifestation of the Spirit, encouraging us um, to grow in that. The next one, uh, healing. You can, you can think of this in terms of like physical healing, spiritual healing, emotional healing, but the New Testament really emphasizes physical healing. These are people who, uh, when someone is sick, they're like, we need, to, we need to ask God to heal them. I was like, yeah, he just has a cold. It doesn't matter. We need to pray for healing. These are people who are not afraid to go into a hospital room in a difficult situation and say, we're going to ask God right now to, to fix this. Uh, they're not worried about, well, what if he doesn't? and what, what kind of false narratives can this introduce and that kind of stuff? They're like, Those, that's, not, that's really not as important as us looking at God and saying, we believe you can do this. You may not do this, but we're still going to ask. Um, those are people with the gift of healing. And a lot of times, they are a part of actual healings taking place. Um, and so uh, that, and that just spurs them on, because once you've been a part of someone being healed, it makes you want to do that again, because it's amazing. And so uh, people with the gift of healing are just very quick to do that, and very, uh, very full of faith. A lot of times, those gifts, you'll see those together. Um, Next gift is help. Now, this is not service. Service is a different gift. The gift of help is when um, is someone who really wants to like help develop another believer in their gifts and do everything they can to just support them. Like these are these are your uh, these are your like behind the scenes people who just love it. They're like, hey, if I can help you flourish, I'm going to do that. It doesn't really matter if anyone ever knows what's going on. Um, I read that this gift a lot of times is found in like if you look in in like big like bigger churches, bigger ministries that have they'll have like kind of an out front person, and they always kind of have a team that's helping everything stay organized. That's full of people who just want to help. Uh, they want to help that person be everything to the church that God gifted them to be. And all uh, those out front people always <clears throat> always need that support system behind them. Um, there are people who would never want to be drug out on the stage and thanked in any sort of way. They're like, no, no, please, no, 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 that's not, that's not really my my gig. Um, and so they see the big picture, and they embrace their role in it as maybe a behind-the-scenes support person. Uh, some people, they're just wired up that way. Um, it reminds me of the, the role that the Holy Spirit plays in regard to Jesus. You know, we talk about the Trinity, and we're like, you know, the, the Spirit's not jealous because Jesus gets all the attention. The Spirit loves that. Uh, I think that that is a part of what you see here uh, next hospitality um, these are people who are they 're just able to make everyone feel at home like they 're able to just take strangers and make them help them feel like family like instantly like it 's just amazing uh, and that can be in their own homes like they 're the people who are always like having people over and it 's like kind of a like you know we never lock our doors because we just want people to come over all the time, like that kind of thing. Um, or it can be like in a church setting. They're the ones who are looking for someone who's there for the first time, who may not have a sense of family, and they're like, come sit with me and you know, let's go eat after the service and you know, let's, let's be Facebook friends, that kind of stuff. So um, that's hospitality. You don't really have to use Facebook. It's not in the Bible. Um, <laughs> intercession. These are people who are very eager to pray for the needs of other people. Um, and not like one time, like they're like in it for the long haul. They have lists that they pray through. Uh, they love to stand in the gap for others, and they will do that until, until God answers prayers. Um, word of knowledge, they're, um, I'm just going to read a definition that sums it up well. The ability to discover, accumulate, analyze, and clarify information and ideas that are pertinent to the growth and well-being of the body. That as a church enters into or a group enters into something, there are people who are just able to like synthesize everything that's going on in a way that's beneficial to everyone else. There's a there's a knowledge of the, of the situation and the facts that God is able to just help them do that. Uh, it's not completely different from an administration from an administrator, but this is like almost like in a case by case. Like they're able to size up what's going on in a way that's very like cerebral and good. Um, next one, leadership. Uh, just, it's kind of self-explanatory. It's just directing people toward the end goal in a way that's like, I'm going to get out at the front, and you just kind of follow me, and I'll give directions, and we'll, we'll get where we're going. Uh, mercy. These are, are folks who um, have these cheerful acts of compassion. Um, they are able to, they're very drawn to people who are hurting uh, they want, they want to, to sit with them, they want to be with them, they, um, they have more empathy than most, you know, like, like they, it gets on them a little bit, like they carry it, uh, they literally reach into someone's pain, and so they're hurting along, alongside with, with, with people, and um, the way that, that God, I believe, uh, enters into our pain, they actually do that with you and with each other in a way that's very beautiful. People with mercy, they act, you know, they don't. They're, they're. They don't sit back and just like wonder what's going on. They're like, I gotta go to that person's house. I gotta go sit by them. I gotta. I gotta do that thing. Um, next one, miracles. There are people who are just very naturally are a, a part of bringing in like supernatural, like amazing things, uh, deliverance. You know, like this is. It's similar to healing, but this is. This is a little more like. In, in terms of like, there's this miraculous situation that just happened um, several years ago. Uh, our friend Jonathan Wilmore, who he passed away a couple of years back, but he was he had used up a million dollars of his insurance policy, and they weren't sure what they were going to do. And uh, he had Gaucher's disease, and it was a bad deal. And he was like, oh, "We don't really know what's going to happen, but we're out of money, literally." And so we prayed on a Sunday night, and we like just asked God to do something, something miraculous. And like two days later. Uh, They found out that it was like a there's a clerical error, and it was like it was he had a two million dollar policy, not a one million dollar policy. Yeah, million dollar clerical error. Okay, that'll work. Uh, That that kind of stuff, like those are like these big things. People are like, God can fix this. God can fix this. Miracles, pastors and shepherds. uh, These are folks who are uh, signing on for the spiritual care of a of a group of people. We said we're. Like we feel compelled to ask the Lord, like, "Hey, let us let us do this." You know, like we want to we want to be the nurturers and the caregivers. We um, we want to make sure that Psalm twenty three is happening in in the church to every single person. And we'll stand before you at the end of our days and give an account for how we did. Uh, Where is not a joke t- to us. Those are your pastor shepherds. Um, uh, some of you, you might have prophecy pop up in your, in your time, and that's, uh, that's not so much someone who knows the future as it is like someone that like God, will, God will give them a word. A lot of times it will be from the word. He'll bring a scripture to mind. He'll bring something. He'll, he, he will remind us of something that he said, a promise that he made, uh, that, that kind of stuff. But it's, it's like in a moment. Um, and I'm not going to get further into it than that, but there is more, uh, but that will just give you give you a general idea if someone in your group is a prophet, you would be like, oh yeah, you are. Uh, here we go, last couple. Service, uh, these are, are people who um, who are task driven to like take care of what needs to get done. Um, people with service and people with mercy and people with helps always kind of work together to take care of the needs of a situation. But people with service, they're the ones who are going to organize, like, like how many trucks do we need to move this person from this apartment to this house? They're that, that kind of stuff. And they're going to get it done. Um, teaching, these are people who are able to, to take concepts from God's Word and break them down and present them in a way that everyone learns from. You know you have the gift of teaching if people actually learn. That's kind of the litmus test. Um, speaking in tongues... And uh, that, that could go one of two ways. It could be speaking in uh, a language that exists on the planet, but you don't know it already. You have a lot of missionaries that, will, um, that this will happen to them. They will be engaging in ministry somewhere, and next thing you know, they're speaking, they're speaking Hindi, and they don't know that they're speaking Hindi. Like, I don't know Hindi. I never studied it. My Rosetta Stone didn't come in on, on time. And I don't really know what's going on, but yet it's happening. That's one, that's one way that speaking in tongues can go. Another way is is praying in a language that no one knows. And that is is a heavenly language. And and that is something that freaks Baptist people out. It shouldn't, but it does. Um, And uh, there are people who think that this gift and a couple of other ones are no longer in existence. And they are not active anymore. Our church has never taken that position. And so, so there's that. And then there are people who can interpret Though, like what is being said, so Paul says, if you have the gift of tongues, not the first kind, but the second kind, if that is your spiritual gift, and uh, like that is to be practiced like personally to yourself, and then there will be times where if it is a public gift, there is a an utterance in this different language, and then there's an interpretation where someone's able to put into like vernacular, like our normal everyday speak, what hey, what he said was this. Um, but if there is not both of those present, then Paul's like you just need to like keep it. It's a personal thing for yourself, and in our setting, this it's not something that we uh, are, are like address very often and that kind of stuff. Uh, but it is an active gift all around the world in churches, even in Baptist churches, uh, and it is very much alive. And so that might show up in your gift in your gift mix uh, for community group. Here's the last one: is wisdom. Uh, these are folks who are able to discern what God is doing, what, how the Spirit wants to apply uh, what the Bible says to a certain situation. And so, in, you're, like, you're like, we're not sure what to do here. The person with the gift of wisdom is like, I know exactly what God wants us to do. It's this. Those are people that you listen to. Because there are a lot of times when we're like, I don't know what to do with this. I don't know where to go next. And uh, God's wisdom, we're like, God, we need you to be wise and that surfaces in some people's lives. Now there are a few other gifts that other people would bring in there that I haven't mentioned, but those are the main ones. Those are the ones that are going to show up in those spiritual gifts tests that you'll go through with your with your group. Now I know that was quick, and I probably brought up more questions than uh, things I answered. But um, can you see how the how beautiful that variety is, though? Like if you had twenty something people, and everyone everyone had their main default gift was one of those if you had all those things present, think how efficient the church would be when the great commission is put out in front of us so, okay we're, we're moving in that direction that 's what we 're going for, and everyone is contributing in that way well when you you move that out to one hundred and fifty people like you 're in this room right now, and all these gifts are happening among us do you think, do you think that we 're ineffective in what we 're doing we're we're not, because He's given us this kind of manifestation of the Spirit. Like, He's done this among us. So what we're trying to do in preaching on it, and talking about it in summer groups, and talking about it in these other groups, is just to get specific. Just to say, okay, I need to, figure out, I need to figure out how I fit into that variety of gifts. Because I want to be pristine in the way that He has made me. And I need all of you to be the same. And so what I've learned about myself is that while I may be apostolically gifted, I'm not administratively gifted. I don't even think I'm leadership gifted. Like I need those kind of people to rally around me just in order for me to be me. I need these other people. Plus helps and service and all those things. So really, I need the whole list. Everybody needs the whole list all the time. And so if this is what God's stirring among us, let's take it seriously. This is not just something fun to do as a church. This is a real thing. And you are part of it. You can find yourself in those in those lists, and other people can find you in those lists. And so, let's see what he has among us. Let's stand together. I want to read one last passage before we sing and respond in communion together. When you get to the end of that chapter, um, you know Paul's going through all these th- all the things about gifts, and he's. Uh, explaining some stuff and uses the analogy of the body and all that kind of stuff. And it's almost like as he's writing, this is just me supposing, I think he gets to a and he's like, man, it's going to be really easy for them to get off track in this. Like to get real focused on what gifts I have and what other people have and what I wish I had and all that kind of stuff. And so Paul closes the chapter in this, this way that is probably very familiar to you. At the end of 1 Corinthians 12, he says, I'll show you a more excellent way. He says, if I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I'm a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. So he's like, hey, you want the gift of speaking in tongues? Okay, fine. You can speak in human language and heavenly language. But if it's, if it's not driven by love for the Lord and the desire to build up the faith of other people, you're just distracting them from what's most important. That's what we're really trying to do. It's not necessarily about figuring out how you're gifted. It's like, man, how can I love the Lord and, and let, help other people love the Lord? Like, that's what we want to do. Otherwise, those gifts are really just distracting people. Verse 2, he says, If I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge and have all faith so as to remove mountains, but I have not love, I am nothing. He's like, I can be the most impressive Christian in the world, but if, it's, if love is not what's driving it, Who cares? If I give away all I have, and I deliver up my body to be burned, but I have not love, I gain nothing. You can, you, can be, you can give away all your possessions, you can be a martyr for your faith, but if love is not what's driving it, like love for him, love it doesn't matter. So he goes through and he explains love in a way that you've probably heard read at weddings. <laughs> this is what we're hoping to become more of as we study our gifts it says, love is patient and kind, does not envy or boast, is not arrogant or rude, does not insist on its own way, is not irritable or resentful, does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things, never ends. It says, prophecies will pass away, tongues will cease, knowledge, it will pass away. For we all know in part and we prophesy in part. But when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. He's being like, hey, you know, all this is going to come to an end. You know, like our time on this earth is going to wrap up. Um, And so our investment is not in these temporary things. Your gifts are not about what's temporary. Your gifts are bigger and they go beyond. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. Like, hey, Church of Corinth, you know, like you're not kids anymore. Now, I'm not saying that to you. I'm saying that's what he's saying to them. But there is this aspiring, you know, to be, to be one degree more each day of who he made us to be. I think that's a lot of what he's leading us into. He's like, hey, there's a season ahead of you where I'm, I'm ready. I'm going to take you even more deeply into your calling as a, as a disciple and as a community group and as a church says, for we see in a mirror dimly but then face to face um, now I know in part then I shall know fully even as it's been fully known He's like hey look there's a there's a future for us that we have to grab onto so he says now faith hope and love abide these three but the greatest of these is love because there's coming a point where we, we don't need faith or hope down the road, you know, when Jesus comes back, I ain't, I ain't got no more faith, no more hope. Love will continue. And so, as we enter into this response time, uh, you know, Chase is going to serve communion, and you can come and pray, you can sing. But this is this is about expressions of love to one another, to our Lord, to those in our lives who don't know Him. This is this is all that working together. So, is it about spiritual gifts? Well, yeah, but. It's about something bigger than that. So let me pray for us and we'll just kind of do our response time. If, you, if you're you here the first time, we invite you into our communion line. Uh, it, we, you rip the bread off, you dip it in the cup. That's kind of how, how it rolls, but you're welcome because Jesus welcomes you. Uh, so let me pray for us and we'll sing and respond. God, we thank you. Thank you for that list. Uh, thank you for all the ways that you are showing up in our midst and as we sing and respond I pray father that uh, we would do those things in love and that all of this talk of gifting and everything else would just continue to be driven by a love for you and a love for each other we love you we pray this in your name amen all right the table is open respond as you are ready